Thanks for tuning in to BWE Empowerment Radio with Elder Marcia Boynton. She will be teaching on women in the Bible. This show will air every Saturday at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you for joining us and enjoy the broadcast. of Women of the Bible teaching series and bi-monthly book club on BWE Empowerment Radio. I'm Elder Marcia Boynton. Good morning, beloved, and welcome back. It is good to be back with you today. We give honor to God the Father. We give honor to his dear Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We give honor to the Spirit of the Lord, and we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would be delighted, be pleased, to rule and to reign in this atmosphere, to have your way, do whatever you desire to do in the name of Jesus. We give honor to our CEO and founder, Dr. Jacqueline Renee King, to our overseer, Dr. Apostle Oscar Dowdell Underwood, to all of the ministerial team and staff of BWE, and beloved to each and every one of you who have risen early this morning to join us online. Amen. God bless you. And welcome. Well, this is the day that the Lord has made. Amen. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. There is so much to be happy about today, so much to be joyful about today. The Lord has woken you up. He has given you breath in your lungs, blood in your veins. He is with you. Praise the Lord, everybody. Today is going to be a wonderful, marvelous day because Jesus loves you and the Lord is with you. Amen. Today, beloved, I'm so pleased to be continuing in our series, The Jesus Women Worship, Ladies Love and Daughters Delight In. And isn't Jesus wonderful? Isn't he just amazing? Don't you just love your Lord and your Creator? Isn't he mighty and good at all times? Isn't Jesus worthy of the praise of the glory and of the honor? Praise the Lord, everybody. Thank you, Jesus, for another day. Hallelujah, the Lord is good. I'm so grateful, beloved, that we are doing this message, this series, because we are going to just continue to focus in on Jesus Christ and to lift up his name. The Bible says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. So we are going to continue to lift up Jesus Christ and allow him to do whatever it is he desires to do, to have his way. Almighty God, have your way. Amen. God bless you, and good morning, beloved. Amen. This morning you're going to need your Bibles. We are going to be looking at John's Gospel. Uh, We'll be in the sixth chapter. Today we are focusing in on Jesus' statement, I am the bread of life. Hallelujah. Jesus is the bread of life. And he tells us in this Gospel that he who comes to, to him will never be hungry, will 
never be thirsty. A lot of similarities in John's Gospel, Chapter 6, with John's Gospel, Chapter 4, the Samaritan woman at the well. He tells her, you drink this water, daughter, you will never be thirsty again. And here he tells us, if we eat the bread of life, if we eat of his body, amen, of his flesh, we shall never be hungry. Oh, isn't that something to be satisfied? Doesn't Jesus satisfy like no other? Doesn't he satisfy the thirsty soul, the hungry soul? Isn't God good? Glory to God. Isn't God in it? Just lift up your hands and bless God and say, yes, I know my Savior loves me. God is good. Jesus, you're good. You're worthy. You're mighty. You're awesome. You're wonderful. And there is no other God like you. You satisfy. Amen. In the name of Jesus, Jesus satisfies. He tells us if we eat of his flesh, we will never be hungry. That if we drink of his blood, if we drink this living water, we'll never thirst again. What a blessing that is that we have a Savior who fulfills all of our needs. We lack nothing in his care. The Lord is so good. He has so graciously cared for everything. He's already thought everything out. He's worked everything out for us. All we have to do is believe and trust in him. And if you believe and trust in the Lord your God this morning, just lift your hand right now and say, Father, I believe you. Lord God, I trust you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, beloved. Good morning, and God bless you. Well, let's pray together before we get started. Amen. Uh, we have a couple of things that we're going to be looking at this morning. We won't be too long today. Amen. And then we'll be concluding. But let's pray together this morning, beloved. I'm so grateful and thankful and appreciative of your support of this ministry. If you're calling in by phone, thank you. God bless you. If you're online, thank you. You are appreciated. Thank you so much. And if you're joining us on social media this morning. Thank you. God bless you. The Lord be with you. Amen, beloved. Let's pray together this morning. Gracious Father, in the blessed name of your dear Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray, Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for being our Lord and our Savior. Thank you for being our God. Thank you, Father, for everything that you are. Thank you. You are good at all times, O oh God, and we bless your name. And just come this morning, Heavenly Father, to say thank you. As we draw near to you this morning, O oh God, we pray that you would indeed draw near unto us. Allow your spirit, Father, to saturate and to flood this atmosphere. Move for your glory. Touch every heart. In the name of Jesus, you are the bread of life. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are Lord. Hallelujah. And, Father, we thank you. Peter would say to you, Lord, to whom else shall we go? You alone have the words that lead to eternal life. Oh, Lord, to whom else shall we go? In Jesus' name. It got to a point in your teaching, in your ministry, when some were offended by you and found it difficult to continue when you said you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, leaning not unto our own understanding this morning, but trusting in you for all things, thanking you, Lord God, in Jesus' name, for the manner that you provided in the wilderness, for the temporary things, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, that were meant, oh God, to satisfy us for a time, for the in-between time. But you have come, Jesus, the true 
bread of life, the true sustenance and the true provision. And we bless you and thank you. Yes, Father, you are our bread of life. To whom else shall we go? You alone have the words that lead to eternal life. And we thank you for your ever-abiding presence this morning. Touch every heart. Move Marcia out of the way, Lord God. Be glorified. Hide me behind your cross. Have your way, Heavenly Father. Forgive us of our sins, we pray in Jesus' name. And we thank you for new mercies on this morning. In the name of Jesus, be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, God bless you, beloved. Let's let's talk about what we're going to do today. Amen. Today we're going to be looking at John's. You will need your uh, Bibles. If you're joining me for the first time, you will need your Bible. Amen. We're going to be reading a few key scriptures there this morning. God bless you, beloved. You're going to need your Bibles. We'll be in John's Gospel, Chapter 14. I'm, I'm sorry, John's Gospel, Chapter 6 this morning. We had a reading assignment. We have uh, a book in our series, The Politics of Jesus, Aubrey M. Hendricks. Just want to bring out a couple of points from that reading assignment. If you haven't picked that up, please do so, beloved. You can get it uh, relatively inexpensive. Uh, brand new, it's $14, but you can get used versions online and any of the online uh, book retailers. Amen. You can also get it as a Kindle or ebook version. Amen. The Politics of Jesus, Aubrey M. Hendricks, will be bringing out some points this morning. Amen. And there was a link that was attached to the post for this morning. Amen. I just wanted to put that there to, to help you, to give you some more understanding and clarity. Amen. About our lesson on the bread of life for this morning, beloved. Okay, so if you have not yet had a chance to read that, you can certainly look at the, the original post that was posted and, and read that from there. Good morning, everyone, on uh, Facebook Live. Good morning, Dor- Dorothea. Good morning, Deborah. Good morning, Boston and Angela. Good morning, Sheila. Good morning, Marcella. Good morning, Sheila. Good morning, Dr. King. Thank you, those of you who are up early this morning sharing this. God bless you. The Lord be with you. Good morning, El Mabry. I pray that I said your name right. And Carolyn, thank you so much for your support of this ministry. Praise the Lord. All of you who are watching, we appreciate you. So let's get to our text for this morning. Uh, John chapter 6. You have your Bibles. We can get started. John chapter 6. Now what we're really looking at in, uh, in John's Gospel this morning is verse 22 through verse 69. Now we don't have time, of course, to read each and every verse Um, But I will bring out uh, some key verses in there that we want to focus in on. Then we're going to be talking about uh, the bread of the presence. Amen. Because when Jesus speaks of that he is the bread of the life, he is speaking about, excuse me, being the bread or the the manna. And there's a conversation in the Gospels where Jesus is speaking with them, and he's also referring to manna. So we have to go back just for a moment and talk about manna and how the Israelites were fed manna when they were in the wilderness and what that bread of the presence, amen, what that symbolized and what it was and how Jesus is fulfilling the bread of the presence, amen. And we'll look at our setting, and I want to talk a little bit about John's gospel itself. So let's start first in our text, John's gospel, amen. Let's go to verse uh, 22 of chapter 6 this morning. God bless you, and good morning, and welcome, and thank you so much for your support this morning. John's gospel, chapter 6, at verse 22, amen, everybody. Praise the Lord. 
This is the word of the Lord there. On the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except that one which his disciples had entered, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias, near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people, therefore, saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you are of the loaves, ate of the loaves, and were filled. And verse 27 Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Verse 28, this is important. Let's read together. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Verse 29, Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Verse 30, therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then, that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. At verse 34, then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Amen. He who comes to me shall never hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Amen, Jesus. We can stop there for just a moment. Jesus says to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Amen. Jesus satisfies. Glory to God. Jesus satisfies. He says that he is the bread of life. Well, all this talk about bread. Let's let's talk about manna. Amen. Let's talk about manna. Do you remember in the Old Testament when the Jews, when the Israelites were wandering, they came out of Egypt on their way to the promised land for some 40 years. Amen. And the Lord fed them with manna from heaven for 40 years in the wilderness. Before they came into the promised land, the Lord miraculously provided for the Israelites this manna from heaven. Amen, Jesus. And it it wasn't the bread that would satisfy them permanently. It did not give them everlasting life. It's just, you know, you get hungry, and you go in the kitchen, and you make yourself a sandwich, and you eat it, and it it tastes good, and it satisfies you, and you get full, and you sit back, and maybe sometime the sandwich might be so good you can, you know, kind of get the itis and want to fall asleep and take a nap. But, But that's all it was. It was just a temporary thing. It provided no eternal life. Amen for the Israelites as they were wandering in the wilderness on their way to the promised land. The bread of the presence, the show bread, the bread of the presence was God's willingness to have fellowship and to have communion. He wanted the people to 
enter into his presence and to have communion and fellowship with him. This was the, the table of uh, acacia wood that was overlaid with gold. And, and there they, the priests would go in and they would have fellowship and they would have communion with God. It was but a type and a figure. It foreshadowed. It was just something that pointed to and directed to Jesus Christ as Lord, as Savior, as the true bread of life who was to come. And in the text here, Jesus is having this conversation with the people about the bread. And they're going back to when our fathers ate the manna in the desert. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Manna in the Hebrew means what is it? It means what is it? And this is what they said when they saw it. What is it? It's manna. In the Hebrew, it means what is it? Jesus says, and he leaves no room for doubt. He's very clear when he's, Jesus is such a good teacher. He's very clear when he speaks. He says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Now, what has just happened in our text? And what, what, what year is it? We're approximately in the year uh, AD 30. Amen. We're approximately in the year 30. Amen. We're on the Sea of Galilee. And in John's Gospel, who is presenting this to us, John's Gospel, you know, is, is a very persuasive argument for the deity of Jesus Christ. It is a very persuasive argument for the deity of Jesus Christ. In John's Gospel, glory to God, it concentrates on presenting Jesus as the Word that is God who became a man. And John meticulously records all of the statements and describes the miracles of Jesus that can only be attributed to God himself. The seven I am statements we are presented with, they are all signs of Jesus' deity, that Jesus was not a mere man. Last week we covered where he said he is the, the way, the truth, and the life. That he's, just, he's not just a, a good prophet. He's not just a good man. That he's more than this. Amen. All of the signs of his deity, the miracles that are called signs because they point to Jesus' divine nature. In John's Gospel, he records signs such as changing the water into wine, healing a man's son, healing a lame man, multiplying the bread in the fish, which has just happened, and Jesus, glory to God, walking on the water, raising Lazarus from the dead, healing a blind man. They all show that Jesus is God, that he has power over nature. There are other indications of his deity that include the testimonies of John the Baptist, of Nathaniel, of the blind man, of Martha, of Thomas, and not to mention Jesus' own words. Jesus was also fully man. His body grew weary. His soul was troubled. He groaned in his spirit. And at the same time, he was Israel's Messiah. He was the Messiah whom all of the Jews, all of the Israelites were looking forward to. They had all of the prophecies, all of the words of the prophets that told them in advance that Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, would come. And here he is, Jesus Christ, the Word in the flesh. This God-man was Israel's Messiah. Andrew said to his brother, we have found the Messiah. Nathaniel concluded, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. The Samaritan woman at the well testified to Jesus' identity. Jesus the Messiah was and is the savior of the world. John is urging us to trust in Jesus for eternal life. 
to trust in Jesus for eternal life, that our, our trust is built on our belief that the Father is in Christ and that Christ is in the Father, that Jesus came from God and that God sent him, that he is the Son of God. And he reveals the Bible's most important message, believe and follow Jesus because he is the way to eternal life. Jesus is the way to eternal life. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. When he says, I am, hallelujah, he is equating himself with the Old Testament, I am, with Yahweh, where God reveals himself to Moses at the burning bush and says, I am that I am. Well, who shall I say sent you? I am. And here Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection. I am the good shepherd. I am the door of the sheep. No man cometh unto the Father but through me. And here in our text for this morning, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. So he's taking us back. He's taking us back. He's taking his listeners back to, to a time when they remember what that manna was. They remember the miraculous provision of God in Exodus 16 when God provided for them with this miraculous provision of bread from heaven, and it sustained them temporarily some 40 years as they wandered and journeyed on their way to the promised land. And in the reading assignment for today, did you read that, beloved? Did you read, uh, hallelujah, did you, oh, uh, Aubrey Hendricks, he says for us that th this was something monumental in the memory of the Israelites, of the children of Israel, that that exodus was, was a, it loomed so largely in their memories, it was their connection to God, that they just remembered that, oh, Lord have mercy, uh, when, when Pharaoh and all of his horses and chariots were thrown into the waters, we walked through on dry land. This looms largely in their memories. They remember the bread from heaven and, and all the stories of old. Amen. And we need to remember and never forget. And this is their connection to God. And when Jesus Christ comes to bring them, amen, into this new covenant, their Messiah, when he comes, it, you know, it's, it's too, well, wait a minute now. We had, you know, the, the good old days, we had bread from heaven. What are you, Jesus, going to do for us? How can you match what Moses did? Moses gave us bread from heaven. What are you going to do? Jesus now in some way has to has to compete with the Jews and their recollection of Moses and what they used to have years ago, way back when. And Jesus comes and, you know, you're trying to give people something new and something fresh and bring them into what God intends for them, and they're stuck in the past, in the law. They're stuck in what happened before, stuck in the flesh as opposed to the spirit. God is shifting here in the text. He's taking the children of Israel out of their flesh and into the spirit, from the natural and into the supernatural. He's taking them from Moses, amen, who was a servant, but Jesus, who was a son over the whole house. He's taking them out of the law and into grace. He's taking them from their self-righteousness, amen, to a position of humility. Jesus has come to fulfill the bread of the presence. It was just a type and a shadow of the true. And now the true God here, here he is. Now the truth is here. The true bread from heaven is here. 
Sometimes, you know, you, we can't read this. I don't read this and, and say, well, why didn't they get it? What's the problem? You know, it's easy for us today because we have the perspective, hindsight is twenty twenty, of looking back, reading the scriptures, and we have it all laid out and together in the gift of the Holy Spirit to help us when we read the word of God and we go from Genesis to Revelation, and we got the whole big picture here for us. And we just look back and look and see what they did wrong and why couldn't they understand. But you have to understand that Moses had given in the children of Israel, the commandments uh, that written by the finger of God, that's sacred, that, that's an important part of their history. And for anybody to come along, any prophet to come, amen, test them, amen, in the name of, test them. A prophet is to be tested. For any man to come along to, to these followers and to say, I am the bread of life, well, wait a minute now, we got to check out your claims, Jesus. We gotta check everything out. And Jesus tells him, He said, If you just believe, if we just believe, if we just believe, that's all he wants us to do, to believe in him and to trust in him. So for all of the years that they have had the law, but amen, also all of the years that they have had the law, all of the wars and all of the attempts that the children of Israel have made year after year after year of trying to find righteousness through the law. And it, it, it never worked. It, it never worked. They would, they would cry out to God when they got into trouble. God would send deliverers over and over and over again. And then to keep repeating the same cyclical pattern of sin and to go back into that law and say, well, let's try it again. We didn't do it last time, but let's try it again. And Jesus says here, look, I, I'm, I'm the bread of life. I am. I am what, what the bread of the presence and what the ark of the covenant, uh, what all of those things pointed to, the tabernacle, amen, what everything, what it stood for then, I am fulfilling this now. I am the true bread of life. I am fulfilling this. I am the source of eternal life. Jesus is the provision of God for life. Jesus is the true sustenance. He's always present. He's high priest once and for all. Jesus is. The true bread of life. Israel needed a different, a different type of, of way to find eternal life than through the law. They tried through the law over and over again. How many judges have we seen? Uh, do we read about in the Bible who were sent to deliver the children of Israel? Oh, amen. When their disobedience to the law brought down God's judgment, and then a deliverer is sent, then a true prophet is sent. And how many famines and captivities have occurred throughout Israel's history? How many, how many deaths, how many famines, how many droughts have occurred in God's judgment where he dispersed them and they were exiles and then there were decrees to come back to the land and then sin and disobedience to the law would see God's judgment come upon the children of Israel. And the way out of all of this, amen, glory to God, is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the bread of life. And the Jews say here in the text in John 6, and this is important when they say, well, what must we do? Let's read that again. Let's go to John chapter 6. Amen. They say, what must we do? Amen. What must we do? What must, if there is something that we can do, what must we do, they want to know, to find eternal life? What can we do? Here this is, is this attitude, and it was, and it was this attitude that we can find eternal life through the works of the flesh, through obeying the law. And Jesus has to shift this whole attitude and this whole focus. 
it takes on a whole new meaning. He ha- they have to examine their relationship with God the Father. They have to examine their relationship with Jesus the Christ and their understanding, their theology of who God is. They have to look at everything over again in the context of Jesus Christ saying, I am the bread of life. What sustained you before, what temporarily was provided for you before, is no more. I am now the bread of life. I'm everything that you need. Come to me. You will never hunger. Come to me. You will never thirst. You will thirst no more. He desires fellowship with us, fellowship meaning companionship, meaning society, a mutual association on friendly terms, familiar intercourse. He desires fellowship, partnership, a joint interest, a state of being together, and communion. God desires fellowship with us. Jesus, the bread of life, when you break bread with someone and you have fellowship with them, it's what he desires with us more than anything. That table of the showbread, the bread of the presence was where the priest would come and meet with God. In Exodus, it would stay before God in his presence. And then once a week, the priest would go and they would eat of the bread and then they would replace it and put fresh bread, 12 loaves symbolizing the 12 tribes of Israel. Glory to God. And now Jesus says, all of the old system, amen, Jesus, the types and the shadows, and it was wonderful. But I'm here now and I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger and will never thirst. And he tells them, he says, you know, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. Amen. They died. Jesus has just fed 5,000. He's done a lot of things in John's gospel. He's fed 5,000 in the beginning of John chapter 6. Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee called the Sea of Tiberias. They saw signs that he performed on those who were deceased. He went up on the mountain. He sat with his disciples. It was the Passover. He saw a great multitude coming. Philip said there's 200 denarii worth of bread. It's not enough that everyone may have some. Amen. And Jesus says, make all the people sit down. Much grass in the place. He took the loaves, he gave thanks, and he distributed so that everybody ate, everybody fed, everybody was fulfilled. But after they eat this bread, this natural bread, there's going to be a hunger again. After you eat breakfast this morning, it'll keep you happy for an hour, two, three, four, however long. But then you're going to want lunch. And after you have lunch, then you're going to want dinner. Jesus wants the people to come into a relationship with him where they may have this daily diet of Jesus Christ, where they may partake of him and of his righteousness and never hunger, never thirst again. Isn't that an ideal situation? Wouldn't you love that? If, if we could package that, if we could package that bread of life and put it in the cupboard, and any time you got hungry in your home, you could just go to Jesus Christ and eat off of that bread and not have to four hours from now go back for some lunch and later on tonight go back for some dinner. Jesus is the ideal diet plan. Amen. He's the ideal diet plan. He satisfies. We never hunger. We never thirst. And he needs to elevate the thinking of the people to go from looking at their physical needs and their natural needs to looking at the spirit. He's shifting the mind and the thinking of the people here. He has to get them to focus on the spiritual life. He feeds them with the loaves. And everybody is satisfied. And what they say here is 
this is truly the prophet who is come into the world at verse 14 chapter 6 this is truly the prophet who has come unto the world now this is a reference to Deuteronomy 18 the statement however doesn't necessarily indicate that they believe Jesus was the Messiah it doesn't necessarily indicate that there is that type of faith some made a distinction between the prophet and the Messiah but the bread reminded them of Moses and of manna so they concluded that Jesus was the prophet that Moses had foretold and they see now to make Jesus a king. Jesus will leave. Amen. He is not going to be made a king. He's not going to force the man to take the throne. He will leave here. Jesus has a path of suffering that he must attend to in doing the will of God the Father. He has to go to the cross of Calvary where he's going to suffer where he's going to bleed, where he's going to die for the sins of humanity. So they cannot force Jesus to go and do this thing. After that miracle, amen, Jesus will walk on the water. Glory to God. He will walk on the water. The evening comes. His disciples go down to the sea, get into the boat, go over the sea toward Capernaum. It's dark. Jesus hadn't come to them. The sea arose because of a great wind. They rode about three or four miles. They saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. But he says to them, he says to them, chapter 6, amen, at verse 20, it is I, do not be afraid. And they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. So we have seen here miracles that Jesus is performing, signs and wonders that attest to his deity, that he is God. The people say, well, truly, this is the prophet, all right, then. We've been waiting for this Messiah. Here he is. Truly, this is the prophet. Amen. That's a good thing, right? Amen. But when we get up to where Jesus says he is the bread of life, glory to God, what happens here is Jesus tells them that they're laboring for food that perishes, but he wants them to, amen, he wants them to labor for the food that endures to everlasting life which Jesus will give because God has set his seal on him. Jesus is authentic. Jesus having the seal of him means that the Father has authorized and authenticated Jesus, the Son, as the giver of life. He says, believe in him whom he sent. The people have to understand that Jesus is claiming to be the Messiah. So they ask for a sign. They want another sign, despite the fact that Jesus has just, despite the fact that they've just witnessed the miracle of the feeding of the multitudes. Now, at the same time, amen, you ever know folk like that, amen, uh, just hanging out with you for what they can get from you? And here's the same with the people just coming around Jesus for what he can do for them, not for who he is. Because they don't understand yet who he is. And amen, that's the truth for all of us when we come into relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's always good in the beginning. Jesus feeds the multitudes. Amen. He heals the sick and he heals the blind. Amen, Jesus. He walks on the water. Lord, have mercy. What a man. What a God. Lord, have mercy. He's good. Amen. When he tells them in the text here, you want to continue to hang out with me? You have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And some are offended by him. Now, Jesus here, where we are in the text, the authorities, the religious leaders, are already seeking his death. Jesus has already made waves, and he's already, you know, bucked against the system and everybody else. Jesus is already in trouble. He's already been around the religious leaders and the church folk who don't want him, who are seeking to destroy him and to take his life. 
And Jesus, with his, his role with women, Jesus elevates the status of women. Why is Jesus the, the God that women worship? What do women love about Jesus? What do men love about Jesus? What, what is it so special about Jesus? Not just that he says that he is the bread of life, but that he is. But that he is the Christ, that he is the Messiah. That after all the years of waiting, of waiting for a Christ, of waiting for a Messiah, of waiting for our deliverance, of waiting for God, here he is, Jesus the Christ, born of a Virgin Mary. Here he is, Jesus, the bread of life, the way, the truth, and the life. It's here, Jesus is. What's so special about Jesus? Do you know in the time when Jesus walked in the flesh that there was so much against women? We talked about the court of the women and, and as it stood where women could only go beyond a certain point. And here Jesus comes and he elevates the status of women. Jesus will speak with women in public, uh, which was frowned upon according to the rabbinic tradition. At the time of Jesus Christ and after, the testimony of women was worthless. The testimony of a woman was worthless. Jesus elevates the status of women. He shows them respect in this anti-woman culture. He takes their questions seriously. Jesus doesn't maintain the status quo. He goes to the Samaritan woman at the well, and he speaks to her about theology, about worship, about which mountain we ought to worship on. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus, according to Joseph, is his historian. According to Josephus, and there's so many, uh, so many things on, according to rabbinic tradition, tradition and oral law that were against women, and I don't have time to go over them all. But let me just give you two what Josephus says. He says that women, in all things, is inferior to the man. The woman, says the law, is in all things inferior to the man. This was the writing of this historian Josephus. According to women at the time, first century Palestine, first century Israel, this was according to the law, and this was the opinion of men in the religious circles, the religious elite, the ecclesia, what their opinions of women were, that they were in all things inferior to men. And here comes Jesus Christ, who says, well, there's no longer Jew, nor uh, Greek, nor Roman, nor male, nor female, nor slave, nor free. Jesus elevates our status. He demands that, that respect be shown unto the women. Do you know that in the prayers of the Jews, this is what the Jews prayed. This is what the Jews prayed. Listen to this. Praise be to God that he has not created me a Gentile. Praise be to God that he has not created me a woman. Praise be to God that he has not created me an ignorant man. Now, you can just pray about that. But this was the prayer of the Jews at the time, and we're in first century Palestine. What what men believed about women? Thank you, Jesus, that he hasn't made me a woman. I'm so glad about that. Amen. And a woman, anyway, is in all things inferior to a man. This was the culture and the biased attitude, the gender discrimination of the religious elite of men against women, their attitudes towards women as Jesus is walking in the flesh. And when Jesus is walking in the flesh, and this, this God, the same God who's walking on water, and the same Jesus who's going around getting in trouble with the church and the religious leaders, and every time you turn around, he cusses somebody out or getting into an argument, and his family thinks that he's crazy, and they say that he's demon-possessed, and he's not yet 50. Glory to God. And we went over this last week, all of the excuses that they have about Jesus. He's not yet 50. 
Amen. Jesus, he's not learned. He hasn't studied letters. And all of the opinions and attitudes towards Jesus about who he is and about who he is not. And here Jesus comes, God in the flesh, and he talks to women. He listens to their questions. He raises their status. He doesn't come and put women down. He doesn't come and and talk to Mary and Martha and say, well, thank God God didn't make me a woman. He doesn't come and speak to the Samaritan woman at the well and tell her that she's inferior, that, that she has no business talking about theology with the king of kings. Jesus doesn't come and speak to the Syrophoenician woman who comes to him, amen, concerning her, her daughter who's vexed with the spirit and say, I, I, I'm, I'm not sent to women. He does say, I'm not, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of Israel. And the lost sheep of Israel are men and women. But he doesn't say, I was never sent to women. And here, amen, we're talking about bread this morning. Here, glory, glory. Here this woman says, when Jesus answers her not, and he says, you know, it's not right for me to take the bread from the table and give it to the dogs. And this woman says, well, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. So there's fellowship there. There's communion there. Uh, There's fellowship and there is communion. And Jesus will say to this woman, as he tests her faith and and raises her faith, and she uses an example of faith, go in peace. Your daughter is well. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Wow, Jesus. Jesus, the women. Jesus, the, the, hallelujah. Jesus, the women worship. Ladies love and daughters delight in the bread of life. Yes, we love Jesus. Yes, we worship Jesus. Yes, we adore him. Yes, we delight in him. Yes, we bless him. Yes, we magnify him. Lord, yes, we fall down before him and worship him. Yes, we reach for the hem of his garment. Yes, we press our way through the multitudes to get to Jesus Christ. Yes, we stay with him, just as Peter and his disciples here, when he says, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Yes, we stay right there. With, Where else are we going to go, Jesus? You alone have the words that lead to eternal life. Stay with him, amen, all the way to the cross. The women are there. In Jesus' name, the women stay with Jesus. Those are his rider tie. The women stay right there. Stay with the bread of life because he, hallelujah, has the words that lead to eternal life. And he alone has the words that lead to eternal life. Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah, this bread of life that that we eat, amen, and never hunger, amen, and never thirst because of him, because of Jesus. Are you saved, beloved, this morning? Do you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Are you saved? Do you have a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior? When you have a relationship with Jesus, glory, when you have a relationship, a real relationship with Jesus, you're always satisfied. You never thirst. He gives peace. He gives peace that surpasses all understanding. He gives joy, unspeakable joy. In our text, The Jews believe that they have to and that they must do the works of the law in order to be made righteous in God's sight. And Jesus said, uh, he answers, he said, the work of God is that you believe in him whom he sent. 
the work of God is that we believe in Jesus Christ. They want Jesus to perform more signs and do more wonders and compete with with his predecessor, Moses. Glory to God. When the pastor got to compete with the pastor who was there before, well, the last pastor we had did this and the last pastor did that. And Jesus says, look here, the work that I need you to do is to believe in the one whom he has sent. That's all I need you to do. The bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Manna in the wilderness didn't give life to anybody. Their fathers, he says, ate that manna and they died. Jesus, the true bread from heaven, gives life to the world. And they say, give us this bread always. He says, okay. And then he tells them, all that the Father gives me will come to me. The one who comes to me, I will no means, by no means will I cast him out. I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Amen, Jesus. But then the Jews start complaining. If we go down to verse 41, read with me there, beloved. The Jews then complained about him. That means they're murmuring and, you know, making uh, remarks and grumbling. The Jews then complained about him. Because Jesus said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? They are familiar with Jesus' glory. When people are too familiar with you in your ministry, amen, familiarity breeds contempt. When you are ministering and walking, amen, in your God-given purpose on the way towards your divine destiny, and people are too familiar with you, it can be difficult for people to receive you as a minister. It can be difficult for people to receive your witness or your testimony or your preaching or your your ministry, whatever it is that God has called you to do. Familiarity breeds contempt. And they say, wait a minute. Now, how is this man saying that he's the bread of life? How is he saying that he can give life to anybody? And we know him. Wait a minute now. This is uh, the son of Joseph. We know his father and his mother. How can it be that this man, who's broke, that this man who, who's on the wrong side of the tracks, that this man who's crazy, who's out of his mind, whom the church don't want nothing to do with him, the religious leaders don't want nothing to do with him. Every time Jesus go around, he getting into an argument with another, uh, another religious leader. How can it be that this same man is saying that he is the bread from heaven? How can it be that he's saying he can give eternal life when the church is looking to take his life? How can it be that Jesus is the Christ, that he's on the cross, and he can't save himself? How can he save anybody? Familiarity breeds contempt. But Jesus says, do not murmur among yourselves. Stop your complaining and your murmuring. Stop it right now in Jesus' name. No one can can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. No one can come to Jesus unless the Father who sent Jesus draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Glory to God. The Jews continue crawling among themselves. Uh, if you go down to verse 52, they crawled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus says, Surely I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day, for my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Praise the Lord, everybody. This is a difficult saying. Jesus tells them, this is the bread which came down from heaven. 
Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread, Jesus, the Son of Man, will live forever. And he's saying these things in the synagogue as he's teaching in Capernaum. But many of his disciples said, Jesus, now, this is a difficult saying. Who can understand it? Who can understand what you're saying, that you, Jesus, are the giver of life, that you, Jesus, are the provision of God for life, that you, Jesus, are the source of eternal life, that you, Jesus, amen, are this bread of life that we need, that we might never hunger or thirst again, that you, Jesus, fulfill the bread of the presence, that you are more than the manna that our fathers ate in the wilderness. How can this be, Lord? This is a difficult saying. How can this be, Father? How can this be? We know you, amen, Jesus. It's a, it's a hard saying now. Teaching has taken on another level. It has taken on another level. And not everybody will stay with Jesus Christ. He says, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. So there are some folk, amen, that's all right, hanging out with Jesus, coming to see his miracles and what he's going to do next, who don't believe in him. That's okay. They don't believe in him. And here it gets to a point where it's just, it, uh, Lord, this is too hard. I'm sorry. We have to go. I'm sorry. We have to go in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And he said, Therefore I have said to you that no man can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Glory to God, Jesus. And walked with him no more. They gave up. They stopped following after Jesus. The teaching got to another level, and they decided, you know what? No, not this way. Not this way. We had enough, Jesus. Let's put, put the Bibles down. Amen. Put your pens and your notebooks in your pad. This is too difficult. Because this Jesus, this broke man, it, as we said last week, it takes humility to bow before a broke man. It takes humility to bow before a broke Savior. But it is nothing but the broken body of Jesus Christ that allows us access to God the Father. It is through his broken body, through his bleeding, broken body on that rugged cross of Calvary that we have access to God the Father through the blood of Jesus. Thank God he was broke. Thank God he was bruised for our iniquities. Thank God he was wounded for our transgressions. Thank God it takes humility, it takes humility and a whole lot of faith to bow before a Savior who's on a cross, who's bleeding and who's dying and seemingly cannot save himself. It takes a whole lot of faith and humility to just believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And here when he says he's the bread of life, the giver of life, and yet his life is in danger. How are you going to give us life, Jesus? The religious folk are trying to take yours. That is the plan of God for him. He tells his disciples, look, I'm going to go. I'm going to be handed over to the chief priests and the elders, and they're going to seek after my life. And he has to do it. He has to die. He has to be crucified so that he can defeat death. He has to do it. He has to be killed. He has to be hallelujah, crucified. He has to go to Calvary, to the cross. And he can taste death so that he can die, so that he can rise on the third day, so that he can ascend to his Father in heaven, so that he can publicly spoil them. Jesus says, I am the bread of life, the giver of life. Some of the things he said, they're just too difficult, so some folk walk away from him. And Peter, God bless him, Simon Peter says to him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Where are we going to go now? How long you been walking with Jesus? 
how long you've been saved in a relationship with Jesus. And you know, even though you're saved and sanctified and Holy Ghost filled and fire baptized and washed in the blood and you go to church each and every Sunday, thank you, Jesus. And you come into the sanctuary and you greet everybody, amen, and you love God and you pray and you worship and you fast and you tithe and you give and you give some more and you stand and having done all you can do to stand, Amen, Jesus. And you endure unto the end so that you may be saved. And you know the scriptures. And you know the 66 books of the Bible. Amen, Jesus. There are some times, amen, and I'll walk with Jesus when, even though we're saved, and even though we have a collar on, and even though we're uh, you're elder somebody, or deacon somebody, or pastor somebody, or bishop somebody, or evangelist, and even though you have a title and a position and a collar, there are some times in this walk with Jesus Christ, if we be real about it this moment, that it can get difficult. That it can, amen. That some, God asks you to do something. You say, Lord, I didn't sign up for all this. I didn't sign up for all this. What you want me to do now? Amen. What, what we got to go through now? I, you know, and people think because you're saved, you should never go through nothing. That's just a cakewalk. But Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. That's a daily walk with Jesus. The Bible says offenses will come. And there were some who were offended at what Jesus said. And some people left. How long you been with Jesus? And you've been with Jesus for a while. And you come to the point in your life where you say, you know what, God, if you don't do nothing else, you've done enough already. God don't got to do nothing else for me to believe him. He don't got to walk on no more waters. He don't got to feed no more 5,000. He ain't got to change no more water into wine. I believe. I believe. God ain't got to do nothing else. You don't have to do a miracle. You're not chasing after God for what God can give to you or do for you. You're chasing after him because he's God, because he saved your soul, because he took the taste of the wine of the cigarette out of your mouth. You're just staying with God because he saved your soul. Glory to God, because he saved my life, because he's my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, you ain't got to walk on water no more. I don't need to see you work another miracle. If you do nothing else, you've done enough already. Peter tells him, where else are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. And this is why Peter is with him. This is why the disciples and those who stay with Jesus are with him, because he is the bread of life. This is why the women stay with Jesus all the way to the cross. Why the women worship him and love him and delight in him? You alone have the words that lead to eternal life. Because he is. Because Jesus is everything that he says he is. Broke that he is. From the wrong side of the tracks that he is. Jesus is the bread of life. He's the Savior, the light of the world. He's everything that he says he is. Yes, the daughter will fall down at his feet and anoint him for his burial. Yes, the woman will drop her water pot, leave everything, and go back to the town where the men are and witness to it. What is a woman doing speaking to men? What is a woman doing testifying? Her witness means nothing according to oral law and rabbinic tradition. But Jesus sends her, and she goes back to the men, and she says, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? What is Mary doing? What is Mary doing and Martha doing? Glory to God. Staying with Jesus. Peter says that you alone have the words that lead to eternal life. What are the prostitutes doing? Hanging out with Jesus and dining and breaking bread and having fellowship with them. You alone, Jesus, have the words that lead to eternal life. It may get hard sometimes, amen. It may get difficult sometimes. But Jesus, 
you alone have the words that lead to eternal life. And you are the bread of life. You are the sustenance. You are the provision. You are the source. You are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. Amen. You are the door. Amen. Uh, you are the Alpha and the Omega. You are Lord. They're not with Jesus for what he can give. But they're with Jesus for who he is. Jesus is the Christ, the bread of life. And he says, if you come to me, you'll never hunger again. You'll never thirst again. And if you know Jesus ain't got to do, he ain't got to do no more miracles, no more signs, no more wonders. You've seen enough. You believe and you know you got the Holy Ghost as his guarantee deep down on the inside. And you know that Jesus is. Amen. And you just love him for who he is. For Lord and Savior that he is. Hallelujah. For the God that he is. Amen. This is the Christ. This is the Christ. Jesus is the bread of life. And Father, we thank you this morning for this teaching message. Amen. We just thank you this morning. Amen, Father, for this teaching message. The, the, the Jews thought they had to do it by the law, but here you say, just believe on me. Amen. The faith without works is dead. Amen. But works without faith is dead. Works without faith is dead. There were many who would come to Jesus and who would come to him in the end and say, well, Lord, we, we, we paid tithes, and Lord, we did this, and Lord, we cast out demons in your name. And Jesus will tell those people who have the works but no faith and works without faith is dead. He will tell them, yes, I see your works, but depart from me. I don't know you. Believe in me. Believe in the one whom he has sent. The work that God wants them to do is to believe in him, to believe that Jesus is the Christ. Father, we bless you and thank you for this message, for every heart who has joined in this morning and supported this ministry. Eugene, God bless you. Sheila, Regina, good morning, Regina. Yolanda, Melba, amen. Dira, Garth Springer, amen. Sheila, God bless you so much. Ophelia, Jack Scott, amen. Pastor Jack from California, first time on. Good morning, Pastor Jack Scott. God bless you and welcome. We thank you for your support. Marcella and Shonda, forgive me, I can only see so many names at a time, but we are so grateful and appreciative for all of you. Garth, good morning. God bless you. All of you who are joining in, dearer, amen. Jacqueline Menifree, God bless you and good morning. Works without faith is dead, Yolanda. Amen, somebody. Amen. And, and let me back that up. Um, in the New Testament, amen, where the folk come to Jesus and say, Lord, we cast out demons in your name and did this in your name, and Jesus tell them, depart from me, I don't know you, that we can't just work, amen, and have no faith, amen. But hallelujah, we need faith, Jesus says. Hallelujah, believe in the one whom he has sent, amen. Believe that Jesus is the Christ. So, Father, we pray that you would help us in our faith to believe and to know that you are the Christ and that you are the only God and beside you there is no other. We thank you, O Bread of Life, for the souls who have come this morning to share in this message with us and to support ministry. Father, we bless you for every life. Touch every heart, Lord God. Move exceedingly and abundantly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Exceedingly and abundantly, beyond all that we could ask, think, or imagine. Thank you for every listener, Heavenly Father. Your grace and your peace, your mercy, bless them. You, Jesus, alone have the words to eternal life. To whom else shall we go? In the name of Jesus, we thank you for being our Lord and our Savior. Thank you for Dr. King. For every heart on the line this morning, Father, we bless you and we thank you. May the grace and the peace and the mercy of the Lord be with you all, beloved. 
We pray in Jesus' name. And God willing, we will see you next Saturday, same time, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget tomorrow, Sunday, uh, glory to God, the Spirit is moving uh, with BWE on Sundays. The pastors are bringing the word. Amen. Make sure you join us tomorrow if if you're not doing anything tomorrow on BWE for Sunday Word. God bless you, beloved. I love you, and I will see you prayerfully, God willing, next Saturday, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on BWE Empowerment Radio. Go in peace. God bless you.